If you have been with us these last few weeks, you know that the scenes we see in Revelation kind of switch from heaven to earth and heaven to earth. Last week we saw an earthly scene with the opening of the seals on the scroll. And today we come to a a heavenly scene, a great worship scene from chapter 7. We read part of the text already in our call to worship. I want to pick up then at verse 13 where we read this. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to the springs of the water of life, And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Father, these are words that that you have given to us by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding to your word today. Help us to see, Lord Jesus, uh, the glory of of the Lamb and to see what awaits those who, who have put their trust in you. So guide us, Father, into your truth. Your word is everlasting truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are a Yankee fan, and I am assume there's none here but me, that's why I wore my Yankee tie today. And if that bothers you, just, just try to ignore it. If you're a Yankee fan, you probably remember, if you're old enough, what happened in 1976. I watched it live where the Yankees were playing the Kansas City Royals in the American League Championship. George Brett, third baseman for the Royals, hit a three-run homer to tie it in the ninth inning. And Chris Chambliss came up to the plate for the Yankees' first pitch into the right field seats, a walk-off home run. I just watched the video again this week. It was wonderful. It was really wonderful to see it again. The reason I mention that is because when he came around second base, security probably wasn't good that day because there were fans all over. And I don't know if you remember what Chris Chambliss looked like, but he was like a fullback. And he literally had to run people over in order to get to the dugout. Here's how he described it. He said, the chaos started when I made it around first base and got to second base and there were fans all over the field. I remember tripping. I went down on one knee. Someone tried to steal my helmet from behind. From then on, it was like, how do I get myself to the dugout? Well, if you watch the video, you see how he ran several people over. And then he said, I went into the clubhouse and everybody asked me, did you touch home plate? I took two security cops and the three of us made our way back onto the field. Home plate was already stolen 
So I put my foot where home plate was on bare ground. As I watched the video again this past week, I thought to myself, the journey home to glory for the believer isn't always very easy. There are obstacles in the way. There are trials that come across our pathway. And maybe there's times when we wonder, how am I going to make it home? <laughs> Life can be challenging in many, many different ways. But we stand on God's promises today. We rely on His strength and power. And He will see to it that we arrive safely at home. In the previous chapters of Revelation, we have seen some of the trials that believers face in life. And so here in our text, we see what it will be like when we are safe at home. And I would suggest there's three lessons we learn here. First of all, by faith, we will be safe at home as one big family. One big family. It must have been an encouragement to John to see this vision, because this was given during the first century. It was given during a time when things were quite difficult for the early church. We know on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 believers gathered in Jerusalem waiting for the Spirit to come. We read through the book of Acts, and it had grown to about 5,000, and then persecution came, and the believers were scattered abroad. And so John may be wondering, you know, what is going to happen to this fledgling church? This relatively small group of people. And then he's given this vision of the believers at home in glory. And here's what he sees. Verse 9, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation... All tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. So this relatively small group of people had become very large, right? A great multitude that no one could count. This mostly Jewish group of believers, that's who most of them were in the early church, now included people from all over the world, from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and tongues. And these believers were no longer suffering under the persecution of those who hated them. They were standing before the throne and the Lamb. They were one big family, safe at home in the presence of God. Now, for some people, this vision of a great multitude might come as a great surprise because there are some who are like Elijah. Remember Elijah? He had called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel and then Jezebel said, I'm going to take your life away. And he's off running through the wilderness, hiding in a cave. Remember that? And the Lord comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm, an, I'm the only one. Everybody else has turned from you. Just take my life away. I'm the only one. And what did God say? Elijah, I've got 7,000 others who haven't bowed to Baal. You are not the only one. I have many who are faithful. I have a remnant of people 
I have people all over the world from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. (laughs) And one day we will see just how big the family is, the family of God. Gathered, safe at home, in glory. So if you know Jesus, you have a great multitude of brothers and sisters you haven't met yet. Think of that. Every tongue, every nation gathered around the throne. These are our brothers and sisters in Jesus. (laughs) Won't that be a great day to meet our brothers, meet our sisters in the Lord? And if you know Jesus, you have the privilege of bringing others into the family. Inviting them to come to know the Savior. What a, what a glorious day that will be. What a family reunion that will be. Do you like family reunions? Isn't it wonderful to gather together with family? Maybe ones you haven't seen for a while. What a great family reunion this will be. One day we're going home. We're going home. To our eternal home. In glory. I remember visiting with Gail Berry from our church just days before she died. She was in the hospital. They're planning on sending her home with hospice care. And she told me, she says, I'm ready to go home. I thought, okay, you're coming to Maple Grove. And she said, no, not my Maple Grove home. She said, my forever home. And it wasn't long after that, the Lord called her to that forever home. She's one of the ones I'm going to see again. Among many others that have gone on to be with the Lord from every tribe and tongue and people nation, we will gather safe at home as one big family. Second thing we notice, by faith we will be safe at home. What will we be doing there? We will be praising the Lord. John tells us several things about this multitude that will be praising the Lord He says they're clothed in white robes. He sees this great multitude and he says they're standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Now, you might ask, what does that mean? If you do, there's an answer right in this passage, verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, these who are clothed in white robes, who are they? Where have they come from? And John, in the midst of the vision, says, you know... Maybe he didn't know. I don't know. You know. And he said to me, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So who are these in white robes? They're the ones who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. They've been given His righteousness. And they are doing what is fitting for those whose lives have been transformed. They are worshiping. Because when you know Jesus, the desire of your heart is to worship Him. And that ought to be our desire, right? How many of you say, I can't wait for Sunday, huh? Wait for the time when we gather with the people of God. I hope you don't get up on Sunday morning and say, I wonder if I should go to church today. Shouldn't be a question, right? It should be, I get to go to church today. I get to gather with my brothers and sisters, worshiping the Lamb that was slain, because that's the change that comes into your life when you know Jesus. You want to worship Him. You don't have to be in church to worship Him. You can worship Him anywhere. But these gatherings together are precious. 
as we sing praise to him. So they're worshiping the Lord. And I find it interesting. It says they are standing before the throne and the Lamb. And that's kind of interesting because it is quite a contrast to what we see at the end of the previous chapter. Last Sunday we looked at that. We see the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich and the strong, every slave, every man. They're hiding in caves. And they're saying to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. And then the last verse of the chapter says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Well, in contrast to that, you have these believers standing, standing in Jesus, standing in His righteousness, standing before the throne, worshiping. Who is able to stand? Only those clothed in white, only those cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And John says they're holding palm branches. Palm branches are in their hands. Palm branches, I don't know if you do this, were part of the Jewish feast called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. That was a reminder of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And they would build these little booths and they would live in them during that time of the feast. And palm branches were part of that celebration. So what is, the, what is John seeing here? He, he's seeing those whom the Lord has brought through a time of trouble. Just as the Lord brought His people through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, here's the people that have brought through great tribulation. God was with them. He provided for them. He protected them. And now they're, now they're in the, the, the final promised land, right? The real promised land of glory. And of course, palm branches were part of what? Palm Sunday. As Jesus came into Jerusalem and they were acknowledging who He is, right? The King. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting, Hosanna! Lord, save us! Our Savior! And so it's very fitting that those gathered around the throne were with white robes having been cleansed, with palm branches pointing to the wonderful things that God had done to save them. Here's what they're crying out with a loud voice. And you can imagine what that must have seemed like to John where you have this number that no one could count and then he hears them. <laughs> what are they saying? Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and all the angels who are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Is that your testimony today? Salvation belongs to God. God has saved me. God has redeemed me. Jesus has cleansed me with His blood. Is it a joy for you today to sing the songs that we've sung from your heart because the Lord has changed your life? He's forgiven you all your sins. He's dwelling within you. Andre Crouch has written 
a song called My Tribute. Some of you, maybe older ones, know that. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me? The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to Thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things He has done. With His blood He has saved me. With His power He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. I hope that's your testimony today. You can say, God, You've done some wonderful things for me. Lord, You've forgiven me. You have saved me. You have cleansed me. You dwell within me. You'll take me safely home one day. He's worthy of our praise. And so by faith, we will be safe at home, offering our praise to the Lord. Notice, thirdly, by faith, we will be safe at home, cared for by our shepherd. Our shepherd. How often did Jesus describe himself as the shepherd? The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And here we see the ministry of Jesus as our shepherd beyond this life into eternity. Verse 15, for this reason they are before the throne of God. They will serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. Why? For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. What a wonderful picture of God's care. He spreads His tabernacle over us. That pictures His protection from all the the things that were difficult in in, in this life. Uh, He mentions they will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. I couldn't help but think of Arizona in the summer when I heard that. I was a fool about three, four years ago. I went down to Arizona twice to drive a car back that we bought. What was I doing in uh, Arizona in July and August? You know, 118 degrees, and I just thought, you know, you you aren't real smart. (laughs) That's what I thought of. And you think of people who journey through this life in desert lands and trying to survive the heat, no air conditioning like we have. That'll be gone. And the imagery here reminds us of what the Israelites faced in their desert journey. And it pictures then the many hardships that we face as we journey through life. And all of those will be gone, right? One author puts it this way, the difficulties that encountered the saints of God during their lifetime on earth are never experienced again. Imagine that. Never again do they hunger, thirst, or experience the bewildering and debilitating heat of the scorching sun. These three immunities are only suggestive 
of the removal of the totality of all those things that inflict sorrow and difficulty on the saints of God. Now in the heavenly condition, all that is removed. So anything you can think of that brings difficulty in this life, guess what? It'll be gone. Imagine that. It'll be gone. He will spread His tabernacle over us and us, and He will provide for us. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life. That's why I had us read from John chapter 4 where Jesus met the woman at the well. Remember what He said to her? He said, you need to get a drink of the water that I give. Because the water that I give is living water. And she didn't quite understand what Jesus meant. She said, well, uh, how are you going to get that? You don't have anything to draw from the well. Where are you going to get that living water? You're not greater than Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So the living water that our shepherd gives us is eternal life, which is both a quantity of life, right, forever, but it's also a, a quality of life. Not only will we live forever, but we will be completely satisfied. Isn't that wonderful? Be completely satisfied. And then the final thing mentioned in this chapter has to do with another kind of water. Not the water we drink, but the water we shed. The tears that we shed. The Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. You know, when we journey through life, there's times when we cry, right? We, we, we shed tears. Uh, sickness, pain, disappointment, death. My wife even cries when she's happy. <laughs> God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Safe at home, loved and cared for by our shepherd. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. I'm sure some of you heard the story of a missionary who came back from the mission field and he landed at in New York City and there was a crowd of people waiting on shore. And he thought, oh, They've come to welcome me home. And as he got closer, he didn't recognize any of them. President Roosevelt was on a hunting safari and the people on the shore were waiting for the president to come back and they welcomed him. And this missionary who had given his life of service to God, he looked at his wife and he said, is that the thanks we get? Serving all these years and, and we come home and there's no one there to beat us. She was a wise woman. She said, honey, remember, we're not home yet. 
We're not home yet. This world is not our home, right? We're, we're just passing through. Philippians says that our citizenship is in, in heaven. And one day we will be safely at home. Not having to run over people like Chris Chambliss did, but we'll face trials and obstacles along the way. But one day, by the grace of God, we will arrive at home. That's our home. To be absent from the body, that's to be present with the Lord. That's our home. And praise God for that. What a glorious day that will be. Father, thank you for this glorious vision of what awaits those who've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, standing before the Lamb with palm branches, uh, singing praises to the One who saved them, the One who guided them all throughout life, the One who will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Lord, I pray that everyone here this morning would be able to, to sing from the heart the, the song that we find in, in this section of Scripture. That you are the one who deserves all the glory and the praise. Because you're the one who has washed us in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, use this word today to encourage, to challenge, to strengthen us, to remind us. That one day, Lord, by your grace, we will be safe at home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.